Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. It's February the 27th and I'm Natalie Harrison. This week we published the results of a European study that links nurses' workload and education to patient survival after surgery. Put simply, the results show that patients are more likely to die after common surgical procedures when they are cared for in hospitals with heavier nurse workloads and fewer nurses with bachelor's degrees. To discuss the results of this study further, I'm joined by author Professor Linda Aiken from the University of Pennsylvania. Hi Linda and welcome to the Lancet podcast. So, we know that austerity measures and health system redesign to minimise hospital expenditures risk adversely affecting patient outcomes. With that in mind, can you start by giving a bit of background to the study? Thank you so much for the opportunity. Recently, major studies have pointed out that mortality after surgery is higher than it should be. For example, the European Surgical Outcomes Study in 28 countries showed much higher mortality rates than would be expected, and a comparable study in the U.S. recently showed that despite the U.S. spending hundreds of millions of dollars on improving patient safety, there were virtually no improvements in adverse outcomes after surgery in the U.S. between 2000 and 2009. So it's clearly time to consider new solutions to improving hospital care for surgical patients who make up a large proportion of all hospital admissions. Now, high-profile reports about individual hospitals with quality of care problems in Europe, like the Francis Report in England, have concluded that care problems are associated with too few nurses, often brought about by efforts to save money. So the purpose of our study was to produce rigorous scientific evidence on the impact of nursing resources on patient outcomes in large numbers of hospitals across Europe in order to inform decision-making about adequate workforce investments. So our study was designed to determine whether there are risks for patients of reducing hospital nurse staffing and what, if any, are the benefits to patients of Europe moving to a more educated nurse workforce. And what were the average work loads of nurses like in the countries you looked at? Well, the average patient-to-nurse ratio in hospitals across the nine countries we studied was over eight patients per nurse. But these ratios varied from hospitals in which nurses cared for three patients each to hospitals where nurses cared for as many as eight patients at one time. On average, nurses' workloads were lowest in Norway and highest in Spain. But the point of our study is within every country, there is substantial variation in hospital nurse staffing. So in England, for example, which has a national health service and where standardization might be expected, the workloads of nurses in some hospitals in England were double those of others, for example, ranging from five patients per nurse to over 11 patients per nurse. And it's this difference in nurse staffing levels across hospitals within every country that contributes to what we found to be a seven-fold difference in death rates after surgery for similar kinds of patients. We found that every one patient increase in a nurse's workload was associated with a 7% increase in the risk of death for patients, which illustrates the hazards of increasing nurses' workloads in an attempt to save money. And what methods did you use in your study? The RN Forecast Consortium that undertook the study was comprised of 13 teams of researchers. It was a very big undertaking and a long time in the making. So first, we systematically sampled hospitals in every country to represent all geographic regions of that country. 
and most hospitals that were selected agreed to participate. In each hospital, we surveyed nurses about their educational qualifications and workloads and the quality of care in their institution. Almost 27,000 nurses in all were surveyed. Surveys were conducted in multiple languages, and then we obtained de-identified, meaning without patients' names or any identification, de-identified discharge information on patients who had undergone general surgery in those same hospitals. And then a next complex step was ensuring that the kinds of patients we studied in every hospital in every country were the same so that we were confident that we were comparing apples to apples and oranges to oranges and determining the impact of nursing resources on patient deaths. And can you tell us a little bit more about your findings? I'd be interested to know how you were able to peg a higher education outcome so definitively with patient outcome. Well, generally, we think of educational attainment as a characteristic of an individual. But the educational composition of a hospital nursing staff is also an attribute of an institution. So in Norway and Spain, for example, all nurses must have a bachelor's degree. But in other countries, hospitals may employ nurses with and without a university education. And for a long time, there's been a contentious debate within the European Parliament on the standardization of nursing education and whether the goal of standardization should be the bachelor's degree as in other professions in Europe. Now, currently, there are two very different levels of education for nurses that are recognized within the European Union. One is nurses with 12 years of general schooling plus university education. And the other level, which is quite a bit different, is nurses with only 10 years of general schooling followed by vocational training. So like nurse staffing, the educational composition of nurses in hospitals varies substantially with some hospitals having no nurses at all with bachelor's qualifications and some hospitals having 100% of bachelor's qualified nurses. In England, for example, the NHS hospitals that we studied varied from having only 10% of their nurses with bachelor's education compared to others that had almost 50%. And it's that hospital level variation in every country except Norway and Spain, where education is standardized at the bachelor's level, it's that hospital-level variation in the proportion of nurses with bachelor's-level education that's significantly associated with actual patient deaths after common surgeries. We found, for example, that every 10% increase in the proportion of nurses in a hospital with bachelor's qualifications was associated with a 7% decline in patient deaths following surgery for common surgical procedures. So more educated nurses are needed, or is it not as clear-cut as that? Yes, I think it is clear-cut. Our study provides convincing evidence that the outcomes of surgical patients could likely be improved in Europe by transition to a standard of nursing education at the bachelor's level. Recently, the Institute of Medicine of the National Academy of Sciences, based on similar evidence to the European study that we just conducted in the U.S., recommended a similar transition, setting a goal in a 
U.S. that at least 80% of U.S. nurses have a minimum of a bachelor's degree by 2020. As I've already mentioned, Norway and Spain and Europe have already made the transition, and policy in England is also promoting the transition. Many other countries in the world, including Australia, for example, have already made the transition to bachelor's education for nurses. And the current level of education for nurses recognized by the EU that requires only 10 years of general schooling before vocational training for professional nurses considerably below the educational standards for nurses in countries comparable to those of Europe. And I think our results are very clear that improving the educational levels of nurses offers the potential with only a modest investment on the cost side to significantly improve patient outcomes in European hospitals. Did you get any unusual findings? Are there any particular countries you'd like to comment on? Well, of course, we found overall that patients have the highest risk of death after surgery in hospitals where nurses with lower education care for more patients each. And our most important finding for policymakers and consumers is that there is an unjustifiable difference in death rates following common surgery across hospitals in every country in Europe, and that the differences in nursing resources across those countries are a contributing factor to the high death rates in many countries. So in every country, there are well-performing hospitals suggesting that even under less than optimal national economic circumstances, it is possible to achieve a high quality of hospital care. So a reasonable strategy to proceed in uh, reducing preventable hospital deaths would appear to be improving nurse staffing in hospitals in every country where nurses' workloads are high and also transitioning to bachelor's education for nurses. Now, some might say that university education for nurses is not feasible for a variety of reasons. But the fact that both Norway, a well-resourced country, and Spain, a country struggling more to contain spending, could have successfully transitioned to an all-university-educated nurse workforce suggests that all countries in Europe could make that transition. And our results suggest that such a transition is definitely in the public interest. That leads me nicely on to variation. So, nurse staffing and education levels varied widely both between countries and between hospitals within each country. How did you benchmark these results to come up with overall findings? Well, we did not actually undertake benchmarking. What we did is we studied the impact of hospital-level differences in nurse workloads and nurse education on deaths for all 300 European hospitals in the nine countries. So in our statistical models, we took into account country-level differences in patient risk factors, such as whether there were more patients that had hypertension or diabetes in one country than another. And we also took into account differences in countries and hospital characteristics, such as whether more hospitals in one country had high-technology hospitals than another. And then we focused on the variation across hospitals across all of the 300 hospitals. And we found that the variation across hospitals within country is bigger than the variation between countries. And this leads to our conclusion that all of the nine countries studied should set a high priority on improving nurse staffing and nurses' educational qualifications to bring all countries closer to the staffing and educational levels of the best performing hospitals in their own countries. And finally, what conclusions can be drawn from your results and what are the implications for future health systems? Well, while our study was immensely complicated to 
conduct, the conclusions and recommendations are remarkably similar. Modern hospitals exist to provide 24-hour professional nursing care to people too sick to recover at home. Otherwise, patients that have surgery that don't need 24-hour nursing care could go home and recover. Thus, it's foolish at best and fatal at worst to underinvest in nursing, which is the primary service provided by hospitals. So health reform initiatives and austerity measures, both of which tend to focus on reducing hospital nurses, put patients at serious risk of unnecessary death and other adverse outcomes. Additionally, given the aging of the population in Europe, more nurses will be needed in the future than we have at present. It's unrealistic to expect the best and the brightest of next generations to enter careers like nursing that do not provide a university education. Plus, there won't be enough talented and committed professional nurses in the future to take on impossible burdens of unreasonable workloads and unsafe patient care. So improving quality of care now and for the future requires serious investment in professional nurses. Professor Linda Aiken, thank you for speaking with The Lancet. Thank you.